no one's demand but our own and from our home office here in sunny, scenic, beautiful, quarantined Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions podcast powered by Two Rivers Ford, brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Buck Rising, happy to be back here with you for another Thursday edition, another podcast, another great conversation that we have ahead on today's show. Titans VP, Gil Beverly. He's going to be on the pod. He was today's guest. We spent a solid 40 minutes talking about the growth of this franchise from a business perspective, how one manages those things in the midst of a global pandemic coming off one of the most successful seasons that they've had in their 20-year existence, and then not being able to host fans, at least initially, in the stadium. There's also the report, by the way, from the Tennessean, that Mayor John Cooper later this afternoon, by the time that you hear this podcast, will have made an announcement that there will be a limited number of Titans fans and Nashville SC fans allowed to attend games. We do not yet have the numbers on that, that press conference has not yet been held, but it does bear. Uh, it does. It is worth noting, and we talked about that with Gil. He wasn't able to give us much on the matter, but we did dive into it in a variety of different ways. That will be in just a moment. Right after I remind you about the fine folks who present this podcast each and every Tuesday and Thursday. That's Two Rivers Ford, Nashville's Ford Bronco headquarters. You can reach out to them for any information on the new 2021 Ford Bronco. It is a beautiful vehicle. It is a badass vehicle. It is one that I cannot wait to get my hands on for test drive purposes uh, and potentially for purchase (laughs) once this thing comes down the line. I drive a Ford anyway, but the Ford Bronco, is it it appeals to both of my sensibilities. One, it's hugely functional because it's a Ford. You know, these vehicles are reliable, functional, and efficient for all of your needs. Also, it's beautiful, and I cannot wait to see it in person once it comes into the dealership out there in Mount Juliet at Two Rivers Ford off Belinda Parkway. It's just east of the airport, just east of BNA. You can give them a call at 800-900-1000, toll free, or check them out at tworiversford.com, powered by Ford, driven by people. Without further ado, let's get to Titans Senior Vice President of Marketing and Revenue, Gil Beverly. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast, powered by Two Rivers Ford here on the A to Z Sports Digital Network. Titans Senior VP of Marketing and Revenue, Gil Beverly, looking swagged out. On the GetBeast.com Zoom line. Gil, I appreciate you uh, stopping by. I know you guys are fired up over there after what was uh, probably a late night on Monday, but thanks for joining the pod. Late night, early morning, but I'm, I'm happy to be here. I, I feel like I finally made it in Nashville now that I'm on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I can promise you uh, that, that, is, that that is not the case. This is, a, uh, this is probably... Uh, probably among the more unconventional media appearances that you've done <laughs> in your uh, in your career. But well, we're going to have some fun all the same. We're going to talk sure. about a lot of the stuff that you guys have been doing around Nashville leading up uh, to this week one opener, excuse me, week two opener uh, at, against the Jacksonville Jags. 
But I guess we got to start here, Gil, because there was some news that came down not that long ago, <laughs> and I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know what what you're in a position to say, but reports from the Tennessean that there is potential for you guys to soon host a limited number of fans in Nissan Stadium. What can you tell the people? Um, all I can tell you is I'm aware that several outlets are reporting that there will be fans in the stadium starting in October, and that they should expect an announcement at some point on Thursday. My words, not yours, according <laughs> to the, the Tennessee. That's, that's what the outlets are, are reporting. <laughs> Very good. So we'll look forward to that. But you guys are going to be able to get some people into the stadium for the Jags game. I don't know, uh, I don't know how you came up with the idea for this. Uh, for this uh, I want to make sure I get the phrasing on it. Is it the home alone sweepstakes? That's right. Um, so... <laughs> I can take credit or, or blame for this, um, depending on where you sit. Um, I'll say credit first and then blame <laughs> after something is to result. So I'm glad you asked me about this because some of it hasn't been reported fully correctly. Um, so we can sort of clear the air on some of it. Um, you know, it, it started, I forget, you know, when I feel like these announcements about, you know, we're going from 25 people to 50 in the bars or 50 to 75 in the restaurants or, or whatever. I forget what, where exactly we were, but there had been an announcement that we were increasing capacity um, in establishments to go from, I think it was 25 to 50 or something like that. And I think it was the bars or whatever. And we're sitting there kind of frustrated. We're like, geez, man, we can't get anybody in the stadium. Like, and we're like, well, look, surely we should be able to get a couple people in the stadium. If we go to the to Metro and say, can we get two people in the stadium? Like that's some serious social distancing. Um, it's easy to sort of make sure that all the, you know, health protocols and stuff are followed with, with a couple of people. Um, you know, let, let's at least make the ask. Um, and then we thought about it more and it was hard to sort of land on just like, if you do it with just two folks, how does that work? You know, and, and what about season ticket members and things of that nature? Um, so where we netted out is we are doing a sweepstakes, the home alone sweepstakes for two people, um, to win the opportunity or one person to win the opportunity to win two tickets. So that's just a open sweepstakes, open to anybody um, who, who wants to enter. And we did that yesterday. You can go to TennesseeTitans.com to find that. Um, and then beyond that, we're selecting two other season ticket members um, to also give a pair to. So, so for a total of four season ticket um, members or two ticket mem season ticket members and their friends, they will also be able to, to get into the building and they'll have a section to themselves. Um, and then finally, we're going to give away a pair to um, some first responders um, designated by our hospital partner, Ascension St. Thomas. Um, so there'll be a total of eight people in the building. Um, Metro was good enough to work with us on that and gave us their blessing. Um, and so that's how it all came to be. So, um, you know, we've gotten some of the stuff on social media. Well, why can't we get so-and-so in? How come so few? And why don't you do it this way? And things of that nature. So that's where the blame comes in. But you now I look at, at it from the standpoint of not how many people we're not letting to come. I'm just happy that we're able to get eight people there. Right, man. I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been crazy with all of this. Like, you have had a hugely unenviable task. You guys have a very successful team, incredibly – I mean, the marketing does itself. Now, you got to be creative, obviously. Uh, don't tell oh, Amy that. No, I, I, I won't. Fine. But, but I, honestly, Gil, like over, over the course of time, certainly in the last five years that I've been here, man, it's, it's night and day. 
the difference mm. in what you got, the, the presentation, the on-field product, of course, but the presentation of you guys as well, certainly in the last two years that you got here, I mean, it's a, it's a class above. And I think that's a credit to you and your staff, certainly. But now you come off the most successful run that you guys have had in certainly, the, you know, the better part of the last decade. And you can't allow the people who are so excited to see the product that, may, that was the result of all of this hard work. And now, you know, they're starting to hit their stride and all of these things and they're coming off a win. Um, and you've got to figure out how best to keep people engaged yeah. with the product other than them just going to their televisions on Sunday. These, these pop-up shops, these creative ideas that you guys have had, I mean, I think I, I looked at that and it hit me. I'm like, they're, gonna do, they're just going to drop two people into the middle of the stadium. But then I thought about it. I'm like, this is, you know, at least they're trying to do something because for the most part, people in Nashville have been hugely frustrated with the way that they haven't been able to have access to this thing. Yeah, you know, to, to have such an amazing year last year with all the momentum going all the way to the AFC um, championship game. And then just, you know, at the time you're thinking, oh, this is going to be great. We're just going to let it ride to 2020 and have all this momentum to start the season. And then to have so many interruptions from uh, their tornado to the social unrest to the pandemic and things, everything, you know, and rightfully so eclipsing the sport of football. Um, and, you know, and then to have to sort of figure out how do you maintain the connection with fans in that environment? Um, you know, the good news there is that, you know, our strategy and our overarching goal is that we want a 24 seven, 365 relationship with our fans, not just game day. So our, our mindset from a marketing and an engagement standpoint is already, how do we deepen our relationship with our fans every day of the week throughout the entire year, whether football's being played or not? And it just so happens that this year, um, you know, we're, we're having to lean into all these other things more so than the, the game presentation itself. Yeah, so I guess because, you know, I, now that I know that you've got, got some time for me, I'm going to take advantage of it uh, to have Gil Beverly, Senior VP of Marketing and Revenue of the Tennessee Titans, here with us on the pod. Um, I guess when you, when you came to Nashville with the intention of, of starting this thing and trying to maybe not totally maybe not totally revamp what the plan had been prior to that but do things differently in a way yeah. that tried to reach a new demographic a demographic that like Nashville is changing um, as this city grows and as the city uh, starts to attract a ton of young people on a regular basis and I consider myself you know I'm, I'm in my I can officially say I'm in my late 20s now which makes me feel really gross Gil but like stop it I mean honestly like it real like it really 27 I don't know what it was about 27 but it just it, it hurt me so uh, badly you're closer to 30 than 25 that's gross uh, anyway <laughs> so so you do uh so you come into you come into Nashville you come into this market you look at this team I guess what was your initial impression of them before you started to say, okay, we can do more of this, less of this, let's tinker with this a little bit, and then let's see how we can progress forward on our end, the business side of things. Yeah, so, you know, from a business and marketing standpoint, um, I think Amy Adams Strunk did a great job of sort of ascertaining that, you know, we had a lot of great people and a lot of people doing great work. So I don't want to, you know, demean anything that came before me or pretend sure. like I invented a wheel or something like that. But at the same time, um, we were probably lacking a certain level of aggression um, and frankly, even competitive spirit. 
um, in the sense that, you know, I imagine, you know, if you go back 20 years to when Bud Adams brought the team here, you know, Nashville, you know, it's already not the hugest city in the world to begin with, despite all the growth. But you go back to 99, and I've heard, the t heard that time being described as being sleepy in terms of this area. So you've got a town that's a lot smaller than it is now that's a little bit sleepy, and the NFL lands in it. And it's the biggest thing since, you know, the invention of fire or whatever, right? And then not only is it the, an NFL team, it's a good NFL team with awesome personalities like Steve McNair, Javon Curse, Eddie George. And, you know, and these guys are just walking, you know, down Broadway and they're at the Kroger and, and they're very accessible. And, you know, so it was a little bit easier. You know, I just kind of had to, you know, and again, I'm not trying to denigrate anything that came before me, but at no, that for point, sure. you're, you're a massive fish in a small pond and you don't have to compete as much. Um, you know, and you fast forward to the current landscape where, you know, media is different. You know, you can watch a zillion things any time of the day on any number of screens. Um, you can get a 90 inch television relatively affordably. So I don't have to leave my couch to have really good football viewing experience. Um, hockey's has taken over. Um, any number of, you know, lower Broadway's bigger. There's so many entertainment um, outlets that, you know, it's just being the NFL isn't good enough anymore. And, and we really needed to sort of up our game and be aggressive and try to attract, you know, more fans and keep them more engaged. Yeah, I think, I think that's been, and a lot of, a lot of NFL clubs have had to go, go mm -hmm. through this thing because for so long, you're right, people were just, they, they were content to play football and people were right. content with that as the product, right? The attraction is to go to the football game. The attraction is the football itself. And now, like you're saying, I mean, I'm, I got like six different screens in front of me when I'm doing the primetime show here. My, I've got the attention span of a small rodent, <laughs> and you have to try your best to put the shiny things in front of me to be able to, you That's know, right. for me to stay on target. It's, Every it's, day. A, it's, it's yeah. a great indictment of my, my generation, but it's true. <laughs> um, so, so you speak to the, the at-home experience. Mm -hmm. Now we're in a time where everybody has been at home. We're all figuring out how to do things that feel normal, but do them at home. And now the, the live in-game experience, which is already starting to see the effects of that 90-inch televisions like you're talking about, access to parking and, and, uh, and refreshments and bathrooms and all of these things, the pandemic hits and it just straight brings that to a halt. Mm -hmm. So now you guys, are, you guys are doing the best possible, the best, the best possible job that you can I guess, given all that, but Nissan Stadium, when, when something is, when we have progress, whatever that progress looks like with the return of fans into these stadiums, is there a, is there a greater degree of difficulty in trying to bring people back after they've already spent this time at home, however long that time ends up being? You know, your guess is as good as mine. Um, you know, I think what we've heard from, you know, there's only been five venues, um, that have been opened up in the league so far. And we've heard mixed reviews. I think some markets, you know, are, are I don't want to use the word struggling, but are having to work harder than others. I think some have been sort of like, okay, not missing a beat. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think it's not a guarantee that folks are gonna wanna come back right away. I mean, I think there, you know, a lot of folks have legit health concerns and, um, you know, whether they're at risk or just sort of um, mindful of the potential for, uh, infection and things of that nature. And so, um, you know, it's not a given that, you know, if you open the doors that you know, everyone's going to come, but, um, you know, we, we, 
we're, we're excited to hopefully be able to have that opportunity at some point. And then, like I said, we're trying to do other things um, to, you know, maximize engagement. So even if you're not someone who can or wants to uh, come to a game, you can still um, have a Titans experience of some sort. Sure. Let's talk about some of those other things. Cause I got sure. to go to, I got to go to one of the pop-up uh, shops that you guys did at Yeehaw last year at a great yeah. time. Uh, it was very, very well done. I thought on the whole, and it, it, brought you know it was a whole different vibe of I guess team events that I have witnessed previously as a and part of that's because it's my job to be there for some of these things whether there's players involved and you're covering it as a as a reporter talk show host or internet person whatever (laughs) it is that I qualify as anymore but this felt different in the way that the the people around me felt different there was a greater variety of people who I would not expect to or who I'm not accustomed to being at Titans-themed events or Titans-sponsored events, things like that. Pop-up shops, the Titans Inc. series, you guys had the cartoon Titan Man over the course of the season, the playoffs, like all that stuff really, really caught my attention in the way, you know, like I'm, like I'm saying, the, the, the shiny thing that has to keep, my, uh, that has to keep me focused. It's all working. of those, it, it, it got me. You got me because I, you know, I'm 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 all on the internet. I'm sitting there scrolling all uh, down my timeline, and you have to you have to catch me quick, or I'll keep going. But you know, you know all of this. What went into these kind of things specifically? What have you guys tried that you've had success with that you found success with? And what maybe have you tried that hasn't necessarily worked the way that you thought it was going to? Well, I gotta go to the failures, huh? Well, uh, you gotta have balance. Well, zooming out, you know, you know, we have, we're very fortunate to have um, a really loyal fan base, right? So we've got an amazing number of folks that have been with us from the founding of the club here in Nashville to today. Um, but if you do the math of that, then you, then you can kind of compute that, that that segment of folks that have been with us that whole time, they're starting to get up there in age. Um, and that's not a segment that we're likely to grow, like that sort of 55 plus um, group of folks. We love them and we're glad they're with us. And again, love the loyalty. But for our, you know, for the future of the club and, and for us to, be, you know, to continue to grow, you know, we have to expand our reach in the different demographics. So especially younger folks, like upwardly successful mobile folks like yourself, but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, folks that, you know, um, that are younger, more diverse, um, and who are looking for different types of experiences than just sort of, you know, no disrespect to anybody on our flagship, but just listening to talk radio and coming to the games on Sundays. Like, you know, folks, you know, people want to understand where you are at the intersection between sports and culture. And in the, you know, you use the pop-up shop um, example, which is, you know, a pop-up retail clothing um, uh, concept where we, you know, sold, uh, you know, a limited edition line of Titans gear like this. Uh, who knew that tie-dye was going to come back, right? For, um, for the audio audience, you can see this podcast <laughs> in its visual version and see uh, see what Gil Beverly is decked out in on the A to Z Sports YouTube page yes, uh, Well, this will air. But see, that's the thing, Gil. Like, I assume my audience knows what I'm talking about when I say pop-up right. shop. And you're explaining it conceptually, which I think is important. And let me not interrupt you anymore. <laughs> yeah. So in case people didn't haven't made it out to one, but yeah, it, it was a pop up shop. Um, we've done it um, the uh, the last year. We did it in um, at Yeehaw at, at a bar, 
in order to sort of have a more of a party experience. We had live bands, live music. And then again, it's a limited edition uh, line of clothing, you know, that's really geared towards, you know, folks 18 to 34. Um, and it's not like, you know, you go to the Titans, uh, uh, the retail shop at Nissan Stadium, you got some good stuff, but a lot of it's geared towards like your dad, like the nice crisp, uh, tight polo. Um, and the, you know, the they're nice playing golf in and then I'm going to go yeah. home and watch the Titans. <laughs> on That's how you it know, goes. Yeah. I, get the pipe I, out, I, I, you I know. got a little dad swag in the, I got a little dad swag in the closet too, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And so we wanted to get stuff, stuff that younger people might want to rock on the day out, you know, and, and not necessarily, you know, just to go to a game. And so that's how the whole thing started. You know, again, the intersection between culture and sport. In this case, it's fashion. And the pop-up shops that we've done in the past have had music as well. Um, you know, the one we did the other, last week uh, during kickoff week, you know, we had to make some um, adjustments based on COVID. And we didn't, we wanted people to have a cool experience, but we didn't want people hanging around too much because you didn't want to mass a crowd, or at least that's what we were trying to do. Um, but we had more people there than at either of the first two. Um, and we sold out of gear within 90 minutes. Um, and that's with limiting people to one piece of each uh, T-shirt uh, that, we, that we had available. Um, so it was wildly popular. Um, we had uh, DJ Fast Nasty, one of our super fans. Uh, it's a great on, follow on Twitter. Yeah, a great follow on Twitter and um, a really good DJ, apparently. Um, and, you know, he, he was, was, was on the wheels of steels doing, doing his thing. And it was a great event. And to your point, um, it was largely a 20-something crowd, super diverse. And, you know, it, it's definitely the future of the Titans fan base. Yeah, I uh, see that. And that's, that's interesting to hear that you had. But I, I, I kind of feel that, too, at least with our audience from that kind of stuff. You know, you, you wonder since there's been such a long layoff now we're obviously in the football and it's this weird time where you have NBA playoff basketball and football's on TV as well. And there's the, the Stanley cup final going and there's golf and NASCAR, everything happening at once. Um, but I, it was curious to see how, you know, people want this back in their lives or want some kind of connection to it so much more than even I had anticipated. I'm grateful to see it because you sure. know, it's, it's good for, it's good for everybody. If people are more engaged with what you're doing, but uh, but to to hear that is uh, is pretty interesting because I I'm I, I don't I don't find that um I, I find that completely relatable because you want attachments you want some kind of connection now more than ever to things that that feel kind of kind of normal and for millions of sports fans hundreds of thousands of sports fans that's that's their local professional teams. Yeah, I think it's interesting, and there's no way to quantify this at least not here, and maybe you probably need to be smarter than than either of us, but. I feel like despite, you know, some sports have come back, right? You know, the NBA is doing their thing in the bubble, and I think they've done a great job. I think it's a great television product despite yeah. challenges. Um, you know, U.S. Open just happened. I, I love tennis. Um, they did a good job there. Um, but there's something that's different about football, man. Like, I, I heard this from multiple people where it's just like, you know, Sunday to be able to sort of sit down with the, some, you know, high-calorie food that's bad for you. Um, you know, an adult beverage or two, kids running around. Um, maybe you go throw the ball around in the morning beforehand. You know, it's that tent pole of your week that you really look forward to. And, you know, you got your fantasy lineups, things of that nature. And I feel like, you know, amongst fans, it was just such an outpouring of, 
you know, and, and exhale, like after all the challenges we've been dealing with, like, ah, I can finally watch some football again in life, you know, for whatever the window is, uh, feels normal uh, for a minute, you know, and it's, it's great to be a part of that. No doubt. So some other things that you've been a part of, you guys have really ramped up the creative right now, mm. or coming into this season, this mural that you guys have downtown, um, I know uh, Surf Melendez, who is new to the Tennessee Titans organization, came in uh, this offseason, uh, one of the creative directors or the creative director for the Titans now has a big role in this. I guess yep. for the people who haven't see it, uh, seen it yet, and it's, it's all over <coughs> social media, you can check it out uh, on the Titans social handles. It's, you know, everybody, everybody with a, a Twitter or an Instagram is reposting it all over the place, which mm -hmm. is great. Um, I guess kind of talk, talk the audience through, you know, how you guys, how you guys approached this off season, the ramp up into this season, targeting people like Surf Melendez who have had such great success yeah. in these areas, and kind of what what you've made of the uh, of the of these things coming to fruition. Well, th that's a great question, and I'm glad you asked it. It was um, a long question. It was not the, it wasn't that okay. good. It was, the execution was poor. It's probably going to be a long answer with the poor execution. <laughs> so. right. um, you know, one of the things when I started, I, you know, I started in this role um, in not this past March, but the March before, March 2019. And one of the things I really, you know, um, wanted for this team is to really, you know, create a real brand identity behind it. Um, you know, I think if you look back at what the Titans have done in the past, um, there's been lots of different, like, you know, starts and stops in different directions. Like, you know, we're going to ignite the fire. Um, we're going to um, have exotic smash mouth. Uh, we're going to, you know, no, those were great t-shirts. I'm not, I, you know, I, I can't, the, the exotic smash mouth t-shirts, the, whatever the kind of football it was, you know, that's, that's a different matter entirely, but the t-shirts were great. I'm not here to slander it. No, um. I, I guess my words, not Gil Beverly's. It's uh, me, me gas bagging. Go ahead. Right. And so, you know, the hope is when you're marketing and advertising and, and sort of brand and myth building, you know, everybody wants to have their Nike, just do it. Right. Nike's just been doing it now for what, 40 years or whatever it's been since the, the, I'm exaggerating by a little bit, but since what, 84 or something like that. So you're looking at 35 years of essentially the same ad campaign, but it was it's such a big idea and such a broad concept that you're, they're able to make it fresh year after year after year in a way that has made it endemic to who the company is, but still allows for growth. And so our hope was to start to figure out, now that's a lot to ask, you know, come up with the next, just next do it. And every marketer tries, right? So I'm like, okay, can we, you know, maybe we don't have the brand positioning for the next 35 years, but how about the next three to five years, you know, so that we're not recreating the wheel every year. And so we started down that path of, you know, working with an outside agency and trying to figure out well, what, what, what's, what's our message as, um, you know, the Tennessee Titans, what do we represent? And we landed on this notion of Tennessee tough. Um, and we landed on that notion um, probably late winter last year. So before life really got tough. <laughs> okay. So we were already heading down this direction before yeah. 2020 was going to do to us. Right. And I would say we kind of had it narrowed down to like one or two different positionings. Right. And then 2020 started to happen to us. And we're like, yeah, Tennessee tough. <laughs> we need to be tough right now. Um, and the notion being that, you know, toughness is really part of who the Titans have always been or, or wanted to be. 
you know, just going back to the glory days of Eddie George, Steve McNair, just really known as being tough guys, lots of skill, lots of talent, but, you know, they're tough. Um, and you go back to the roots of Tennessee, like the biggest, um, you know, uh, professional spaces here or industries is manufacturing and farming, you know, two, two, you know, spaces known for its toughness. Um, and even when you start to talk about the glitz and glamour of like lower Broadway and the Ryman and performing and, and entertainment, you know, the end result is glitzy and fancy and fun, but it's a tough road to get there. It's working for tips. It's working multiple jobs and you have to have a lot of grit and resilience to get onto those big stages that Nashville is known for. So when you kind of look at all that, you know, there's this regional identity of toughness that I felt like we could rally behind and connect to the team. And then the tornado hit. And then, you know, the pandemic hit. And then George Floyd was murdered. And then now there's all sorts of social unrest. And, you know, in order for us all to make it through, there's a level of toughness. Like, you know, whether it's, you know, dealing with economic times, whether it's kind of trying to provide for your kid's education at home while you have two jobs. I mean, while the, the mom and the dad have a job and all that sort of stuff. This has just been a really difficult year to, um, to navigate. And, and don't get me started on like first responders and everything that they've had to deal with. And so to celebrate and reflect that in the Titans brand and to represent that on the field, we thought was a really smart thing. And so that's why we really leaned into Tennessee tough. And then again, long answer for a long question to get back to the mural you know the mural does a number of things again it's another one of those intersections between culture art and sport um and you know again it lends itself to this feeling of tennessee tough but you know for those that haven't seen it you see this ginormous titans player um with 615 and on the back of his uniform you know because he's re he's reflecting and, and representing um nashville um, and then, you know, you see this sort of lots of swirling and color that's re representing the dynamic nature of this of the, and creative energy that goes into the city and this region. And then you have the um, names of all 90 some odd um, counties from across Tennessee, because although we are, you know, Nashville is our home and is the epicenter of all things Titans, we represent the whole state. And so to have all 90 counties represented was, was important to us. Um, and then you've also got five quotes from um, people that are either great Tennesseans or have a great um, tie to Tennessee, including John Lewis, um, Pat's, Coach Pat Summit, um, and John Robinson, our GM, and then a couple others that I'm forgetting right now. But, you know, it just really, there's lots of layers to it, um, and it's hard to do it justice um, over a podcast, so I would encourage everybody <laughs> out there to see it. Um, but it really is the culmination of a lot of thinking uh, and it's really a great visual representation of who we want to be going forward. And the other thing, going back to the targeting young folks, um, it's done in a way that I think is really appealing towards younger people. Like it's, um, if you would have seen some of the other designs, they were very corporate and, you know, the types of things you'd see on the side of Highway 65 kind of thing. Like this is true art and it's representative of the art culture in Nashville that really has a youthful vibe to it. This intersection that that we keep that you keep referencing the intersection of sports and culture that's that's something that for a lot of sports fans as my alarm goes off that's wildly unprofessional in the middle of the podcast but you like it's okay like my outlook keeps going off hopefully that's not too <laughs> actually not since you call it out I'm going to close it out right now no you're good man listen this is that we it's a casual podcast everything yeah. uh, every, <laughs> you just gotta lean in that's the way it goes around here Gil. 
This I, isn't Dateline 2020 right now. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> like I said, among your many and uh, your many varied uh, media appearances, I'm sure you've done in your lifetime. This is not Dateline 2020. That is, that is for certain. Um, but the intersection that we're talking about here is something for, especially right now, everything's highly um, polarized an mm -hmm. election year where everything is COVID, everything is being positioned as one side or another. That intersection, it feels like, is more, is more, there's a bigger response in, or there can be a bigger response in multiple ways to trying to find a place where that intersection is palatable for people. Have you guys seen, obviously you've seen the response positively from young people. Have yeah. you guys seen any pushback though in the, in the trying to create that intersection for a new generation of Tennessee Titans fans who better identify with that kind of stuff? Well, you know, what's interesting is, you know, <clears throat> I knew because, um, you know, we've been living with this mural for months now in terms of the design and um, I knew from walking it around and, and sort of testing it with people, um, you know, do, that was going to be a hit. Like, I, I knew that people were going to like it. I, I am shocked at how well it's gone over and how impactful it's been. And it, it really, a lot of the commentary speaks of what you just um, said in the sense that I've had a lot of people say to me, wow, this was just so impactful and uplifting and unifying and inspiring and and, you know, for it, I mean, it's an awesome piece of art, but it really is just a piece of art. Um, but that people have been, you know, impacted in that way is great. And I do think it, a lot of it has to do with, like, how little we, we all agree on stuff these days, right? But to have this one thing that, you know, that people uniformly agree is a beautiful piece of art that has really universal principles applied to it in terms of togetherness and an uplifting message tied to it. I think, you know, it, it really has uh, been power, a powerful statement. Um, and, you know, and to give you a sense, you asked me about pushback, you know, in the face of a lot of the social justice um, stuff that's happening right now, and a lot of the messaging that the league's putting out, that our players are putting out, that the team's been putting out, you know, one thing we've decided to do is really lean into voter registration and encouraging people to vote. And even that, like I've heard commentary in the social media sphere and on the um, different other media outlets. Well, when they tell you to vote, you know what they're really saying. Like, yeah, vote. <laughs> you know, go vote. Like, <laughs> I don't care how you vote. You can do it a variety of different ways. Just go vote. And the critique has been, I guess, you know, I guess if you're, you know, that you in theory can infer what, how we're asking, telling you to vote by other things we've said or done and and but it's no one's intent it's a nonpartisan thing and we just feel you know inherently that the world's a better or the country's a better place when everybody votes um and you know how you choose to vote your 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 uh, prerogative and and so on and so forth and it's just one of those things that i think if you had you know you know travel back five years and ask somebody is you know voter registration a controversial thing and i don't think people would have said wouldn't have thought that and yet here we are. So it's definitely hard to come up with these things that are universal um, in terms of their appeal. Um, but thankfully, that mural seems to be one of them. Um, yeah. You know, we, hopefully sports gives us an opportunity to tap into others. Well, and, and much less with, with all, of the, all of the social, because I think you guys have been super strong on that, um, just in the wake of everything. And, and certainly 
for for the for the players for the African American community, like you can tell how much that resonate. And I, I speak from from a third party perspective, obviously, sure. but you can see how well that resonates to people who, and in the same way that you're talking about with the mural, that that has been very very strong. That's been a part of the uplifting process. And then when people go to look at this mural, you know, no matter what you've experienced in Nashville right now, whether it's you guys did an incredible thing to come over into North Nashville and and throughout various parts of the city, but there was there was a concerted effort over here in my neighborhood and in the surrounding areas to really really help people who, I mean, this is this is a low income neighborhood by by leaps and bounds. It's historically uh, been been African American and and majority ethnicity in a way that's pretty easy for people to forget about. It mm-hmm. feels like throughout the course of this. You, you, see, you see that presence in the community when you guys come over here to help people who are in dire need. You see that mural and it, you identify with that. It's everybody's individual interpretation, I think, is what makes that thing so cool is because we have all experienced, you know, whether it's 2020 related or not, some, some manner of adversity as a city. And then you look at that, you see the, the uplifting imagery and, and it can mean whatever it needs to mean That's to you right. specifically. That I think that that I think it really really accomplishes so well. Yeah, that's the goal. I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, we 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 have sort of a, um, you know, we had some turnover, right? So uh, with Burke Nihill becoming the team president, and then um, me coming into my role, and um, Adolfo Birch joining us as chief legal officer, and then we still have uh, Janine Kaufman, who's been with the team for a while as our chief financial officer. But I think with that turnover, you know, there's a, a little bit of different point of view of who we are um, and, and the role we play in the community. And I think a lot of it, again, goes back to Amy Adams Strunk and her commitment. But, you know, coming out of the tornado when, to your point, the efforts that we were able to put forth in the community with the two days we spent um, in North Nashville, and you were right there with us as we were like literally going into people's homes and trying to help fix things and handing out um materials and you know I, I went to academy and i basically bought out their whole you know selection of uh, of uh, sleeping bags um and you know and just seeing the impact of you know you know first of all the material right just some people needed sleeping bags they needed warmth and we were able to help provide that but i think almost as important or, or more importantly was just the, the the significance of oh the titans came into my neighborhood to help me out I matter. They, they think about us. Um, and, you know, we'd be going into these homes and, you know, I'm looking at these houses that are just devastated. And, you know, if had it been my house, I'd be in a corner in a fetal position, like crying. And these folks were just sort of, you know, unbowed in a lot of respects. They're, you know, it's like, oh, we're going to fix this up. We're going to make it work. You know, the insurance guy's coming next week. And, you know, but what do you think about Derrick Henry for next year? And we're kind of like, wow, you know, they're that excited about the Titans. This is the role that, that we play in their lives, that they're prepared to talk about next season while literally everything around them is falling down. And that was very powerful to me. And, you know, to me, you know, there's the, I'm a, I was a comic book nerd when I was a kid, and there's that Spider-Man saying, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And the fact that we have that much uh, resonance with people means that we have the responsibility to, to wield that in the right way. And our, our, our franchise changed that day. And, you know, becoming very community focused 
has become a much more endemic uh, part of our mission in addition to trying to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's one of the coolest things about sports. Like, even because I, I wasn't, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know whether this is, uh, this is safe or wise for me to admit to a sports fan audience, but like the, the attachment to sports, I, n- I never really had that in a, in, in a way that a lot of people do. But the things that sports represents and the things that sports does for people societally is always something that I've been really, really intrigued with. Um, and one of the one of the cooler parts about it, you, you talk about Spider Man. I I've never, I, I don't think I've ever read a comic book in my life, but I know Tobey Maguire and I know the line from the movie. <laughs> we can find common ground here on the pod, Gil. That's all we're trying to do. <laughs> well, he, believe it or not, he didn't invent that line. I I don't believe you. Tobey Maguire <laughs> is forever Spider Man in my mind. Gil Beverly, senior VP for the Tennessee Titans, in charge of marketing and revenue, has been our guest here on the Six One Five Sessions podcast. Gil, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if they, I, I know the the clothing is specific to the pop up shops, but if people yeah. want to uh, want to find things that look like what you're wearing on the A to Z Sports YouTube channel, for those of you listening via the podcast, can they can they acquire uh, such tie dyed items as you're rocking here today? Uh, yes, but not right now. So okay. part of the reason I wore this. Um, it, not just a humble brag about my fashion sense, but um, was also to, um, you know, this was a hot ticket item um, at our last pop-up shop that we ran out of real fast. And it, you know, frankly, there were a lot of disappointed people. Some folks just left and didn't even uh, go into and see what else we had because they were just that psyched about the tie-dyes. So we're working with um, our merchandise folks and we're trying to get it into the store sometime within the next three weeks or so. Um, so that, that is coming as well as um, hopefully the rest of the selection that we ran out of. Um, and again, um, I, if you, it, I can't believe that tie-dye's back. I thought we left this in uh, the late 80s, early 90s, but apparently it is. See, that's, uh, that's, that's the thing that, that always seems to come back around is, is things will go out of style and then back into the style. It's why I went to practice today wearing skinny jeans that my girlfriend's tried to shove <laughs> me in. And I just, it's so bad, Gil. Mostly because it's laundry day and I'm sweating terribly out there. All, all of this ill-advised, but I can. I'm sure you got noticed by a few of your your fellow beat folks uh, with the skinny jeans. Well, that's because they're all old and and drifting into my again my words, not Gil Beverly's. People like Kaharski drifting into senility, and I love him for it. But also, uh, he was right today because I look like a fool at practice in skinny jeans. Gil, I appreciate you coming on the pod, man. This was fun. Absolutely, anytime, buddy, and I appreciate you having me. Time now for the 615 Sessions Mailbag. We do it at the end of every Thursday pod. We're going to change up the call to action, though, with how these get submitted because I want to make life easier on you guys. You send in questions regularly. You guys do a great job with that. But also, I want you to be able to have more direct access to me. So with these questions, here's what I'm going to have you do. You're going to slide into my Instagram DMs, at Rising on IG with these questions. We're not going to do the iTunes review mailbag anymore, but you can still leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts in the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. This is easier for me to find. It's easier for intern Reed to dig through if we do it this way. So at Buck Rising on Instagram. Go ahead and slide in my DMs. They're open with every question 
that you may have. We will get to them. We have five good ones coming up in just a second. First, I'm going to tell you about our friends at GetBeast.com. They present our Zoom and phone line here on the 615 Sessions. They present our guest interviews, and they create personal care and grooming products for beasts of all kinds. They're all-in-one Tame the Beast body washes, shampoos and conditioners, soaps, lotions, and shaving supplies feature arousing scents and energizing properties like the Tingle Shampoo. I love the Tingle Shampoo. They are produced in the USA with globally sourced ingredients. Their stimulating scents are derived from all-natural, intense botanicals you can feel. It's good stuff from the earth like eucalyptus, ginseng, guarana, green tea, pomegranate, bok chuol, and Moringa. You can also save 20% off courtesy of GetBeast.com with the promo code BEAST2020. That promo code exclusive for our A to Z sports audiences around here on the pod and on the primetime show. Check them out at GetBeast.com. Groom boldly, be a beast. Save some cash with BEAST2020 at GetBeast.com. Now your questions. Now your iTunes, what has previously been the iTunes review mailbag. Now it's just going to be you guys sliding into my IG DMs at Buck Rising. We'll start with WolfStyle21. He wants to know, is Rashawn Evans likely to face a suspension for that ejection on Monday Night Football? So Rashawn Evans, in case you missed it, I'm sure many of you uh, were still awake paying attention to that game. That was very early on when he threw a, when he threw a punch at the head of tight end Jake Butt. If there had been a suspension handled down, I know this question was submitted to me on Tuesday when we still were not sure whether he would be suspended. At this time, he is not set to be suspended. They would have had to have given the Titans heads up by now. So Rashawn Evans will be available to play against the Jacksonville Jaguars in their home opener when they kick off at noon central time here at Nissan Stadium. It, it, it is incredibly stupid, though, what he did. Incredibly uncharacteristic of who Rashawn Evans has been his entire career. I know he's still young, but whatever Jake Butt said to him or wherever Jake Butt uh, blocked him, uh, whether you know correctly or incorrectly, however it hit him, Rashawn Evans lashed out in a way that got him tossed from that game and in a way that could very well have cost them. There were many, many run plays that Rashawn Evans uh, chunk plays, those goal line stands, although Jeffrey Simmons was an absolute badass down there on the goal line. Rashawn Evans would have been helpful to have in that game. And Will Compton, I, listen, I, I give Will Compton all kinds of hell on a regular basis, but he filled in admirably without Rashawn Evans and Jayon Brown, always a strong player. Robbie Kendall 2, Robbie.Kendall underscore 2. Let me not uh, get my gr- uh, grammatics here incorrect on the handle. Robbie.Kendall underscore 2. How much playtime slash carries do you think Darrington Evans will get when he is healthy? So Titans rookie running back, third-round pick out of Appalachian State, was not available to them on Monday Night Football, obviously. He is dealing with hamstring issues. Now, when I last looked at the injury report from Wednesday, I believe that Darrington Evans was a full participant, as was Derek Roberson, for anybody who's curious, the outside linebacker. Jameel Douglas, a depth player on the offensive line. All those guys returned to practice but we're talking about Darrington Evans because he is the one that they will need to spell Derrick Henry. with. When I looked at the breakdown of the plays from Monday Night Football against the Broncos, Derrick Henry played 61 snaps. He played 75% of the Titans' offensive snaps. And the guy who was there to spell him 
Jeremy McNichols, who just brought, got brought up off the practice squad, but has some familiarity with the Titans. He played 13 snaps, only 16% of the Titans' offensive plays. Obvious passing downs, although Derrick Henry did contribute in the passing game. We cannot completely disparage him in that regard. And I think the expectation, honestly, especially early on, 75% of the offensive snaps for Derrick Henry, even for Derrick Henry, is high based on what they were doing last year. Now, I don't know how much his usage rate is going to change given how much more they're paying him. I would I would hope that it is it is usage based off the the best efficiency, the most efficient use of Derrick Henry rather than just, you know, justifying his contract, which by the way at this point does not look that bad given all the other running backs that are getting paid. But at least early on, if Darrington Evans is to play against the Jaguars, I would expect the snaps to be around, you know, if if they play if they play uh, 81 offensive snaps as they did on Monday night against Denver, which is pretty, it's a lot, it's a lot of a lot of time for the offense on the field. I would expect him to play right around right around 10 to 15 snaps in total. Uh, I think that would be a reasonable, probably closer to 10 than 15, just because he'll, you know, he's just getting his feet wet, and they'll want to make sure that they handle him carefully as he deals with these hamstring injuries. The de- the dreaded hamstrings for Titans rookies. It seems to plague you guys every year. Let's move on. In the IG review mailbag is what we'll call this now, since you guys are sliding into my DMs at Buck Rising to submit these things. Let us now go to Dave the Park. Do you think Corey Davis touches becomes... Uh, or excuse me. Do you think Corey Davis's touches compared to A.J. Brown are indicative of of the season. So what he's referencing there is the idea that Corey Davis was the one carrying uh, the Titans in the passing game rather than who we all know and believe to be their number one wide receiver in A.J. Brown. Their snap breakdown, for what it's worth, for those curious, Corey Davis and A.J. Brown played the exact same number of snaps. They both played 66, 81% of the Titans' offensive plays. So with, with Dave's question... His touches, his touches are his touches are a product of the fact that AJ Boyer was doing a really good job on AJ Brown, and for the second time that we've seen that matchup, because of course in week three of the 2019 season, you saw how physical Bouye was with AJ Brown in press man coverage, uh, how it disrupted the Titans' number one wide receiver, and last time though, Corey Davis was not the beneficiary of those of those targets, of those receptions that they needed to have because the quarterback was Marcus Mariota and he was not, he, would, he just wasn't playing well at that point. It was one of Marcus's worst games in that week three Jacksonville game. So no, I don't think it's indicative of how the season is going to go. I think though it's it's exactly what I was taught. I spent a lot of time talking about whether, you know, it was here on the podcast, on, on, the, on the primetime show, on the radio when I go on 104.5 to talk about the Titans. I mean, I've said this a lot in a lot of different places in that you should expect A.J. Brown to receive a great deal more attention this season because people know that he's going to be there. He, they know what he's capable of. They know how much more explosive he makes this Titans offense. And so, as a result, you should see him attract more attention, more defenders, more defensive coordinators trying to take him away in this offense. The question, though... When that happens is who steps up? Are the are the rest of the skill position players in, you know, whether it's Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, John U. Smith, Derrick Henry, and Darrington Evans or Jeremy McNichols, whoever is in there to spell Derrick Henry, 
can these players step up in a way that where when your top target goes away, well, you can still go to Corey Davis for seven catches and 101 yards. And on Monday night, they could. That was that was that that's what it's supposed to look like in a perfect world, right? Now, and I, you know, that may sound weird for me to say because obviously the kicker missing four kicks, three uh, three field goals, and an extra point is uh, nowhere close to perfect. And the offense was clunky out of the gate, and Derek only averaged, I think, 3.7 yards per carry. Still got over 100 yards, got 116, which is a good sign. But for this Titans offense, the expectation should be that when one of their top targets or top options in Henry or A.J. Brown is taken away, well, the other guys need to be able to step up. And at this point, you saw Adam Humphreys make great catches, great uh, contested, well, not contested catches, but difficult catches, tough catches over the middle to move the change to convert third downs. But you also saw Corey Davis contribute in the passing game, in the play-action passing game specifically. They were hugely efficient on that. And you got stuff out of Jonu Smith, Anthony Ferkser, Michael Pruitt. It was a, overall a good day for the Titans passing offense. But no, I do not believe it to be indicative of how this season is going to go. I bet you see more of that from other teams. They have to know, though, that they can take... They have to know as, def- as defenders and as a defense, playing the Tennessee Titans, that they can shut down the passing game by taking away A.J. Brown. Turns out, on Monday night, that wasn't the case. And that's how this team is constructed to where they have multiple options. Probably their most talented set of skill position players since Steve McNair's co-MVP year. Let's move on. Sal83193. I believe that's Sal from Jersey, if I'm not mistaken. What do you believe Titans do with the extra money from Bayard's restructured contract? Yeah, that was a weird report. I think it was Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network said that Kevin Byard on Monday restructured his deal to free up more cap space for the Titans. The amount of cap space, I'll pull it up here now, as we're discussing it, talking about, because it's the same, it's kind of the same thing conceptually as what Derrick Henry did for them to take $4 million less this year, playing for just over six, to be able to allow them the cap space to pay Jadavion Clowney and and improve this team on the whole. Now, that money will be made up over the next couple of years of Derrick Henry's contract, and Kevin Byard has already signed to a long-term extension, but it was curious to see him do that deal or get that done before Monday night's game. So it, it begs the question, well, are, are they bringing in another player? Are they, uh, as as Tom Pellicero reported, now that I find the, found the tweet, he restructured... Uh, Safety Kevin Byard restructured his contract for salary cap purposes, clearing $6.12 million in 2020 cap space. He'll still make $9.1 million, but he's just cleared an additional $6.12 off the books. Uh, that's not about acquisition. That's not about bringing another player in. That's not about another high-level free agent or a player, um, because those guys really don't exist still on the market at this point now that we're into the season. That's about extension money. That's about, it could be about Jadavion Clowney. It could be making sure that they have the ability to, uh, to the financial flexibility to extend Clowney, Jayon Brown, Adoree Jackson, or Jonu Smith. All of those things are possible now, or I may mean, not all of those things, but some of those things are now possible in a way that they were not previously due to the restructuring of Kevin Byard's deal. It's curious, though, that it would take place this year specifically that this is the year that they would free up that money 
to allow the Titans to do so? Because it, it does leave you wondering, okay, well, what else, what other moves do they have to make this year? When when would that money, because that money would not go into effect for John U. Smith, uh, Adoree, Jayon, Clowney, any of those people until 2021 in theory. But at this point, think extension, not acquisition. Those are this week's questions that you guys submitted to me. Remember, you can slide into my DMs at Buck Rising on IG with your questions, comments, and concerns. We will read them every Thursday at the end of the 615 Sessions podcast. Football on Sunday, Titans and Jags. You guys are going to have a great time watching, and you won't be able to go. It'll be my first NFL game this season in the stadium. Um, Obviously, I didn't travel to Denver with COVID-19, not necessarily... You know, we haven't really decided whether it's worth it this year to send me on the road or not. But given all the given all the uncertainties with Denver, it just didn't make sense for me to go. Now, though, as my alarm goes off for the second time this podcast, you would think I would be smart enough to turn this off. Uh, now, though, I will be in attendance at Titans Jags, the home opener. I will have live reports there for you. I will do my best to uh, to set the scene to case the joint and see exactly just you know how much different a game day atmosphere is for me to relay to you guys. And hopefully you get some good news later this afternoon with John Cooper's press conference, potentially or reportedly announcing the return of a limited number of fans to Nissan Stadium. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the weekend. We'll catch you back here on Tuesday for the pod, the Sunday night primetime show after Titans and Jags. Titan game day morning, by the way. I've got, I got what is this now, four, three shows that I do for you guys? I, listen, I'm, I'm spending way too much time in front of the microphone for me to not catch you at some point in your football-consuming experience. Titan game day morning at 8.30 a.m. on Sunday before Titans-Jags. Primetime Sunday night at 8 p.m. About the two-minute warning of Sunday night football. And then another 615 Sessions podcast comes your way on Tuesday in the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. As always, stay safe, stay clean, and stay hot, Nashville. This has been the 615 Sessions Podcast, powered by our friends at Two Rivers Ford. Brought to you, as always, by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.